everyone. Welcome to another exciting episode of Mindset to Mastery, the podcast. I am your host, Keisha A. Rivers, President and Chief Outcome Facilitator of the Cars Group, where we facilitate outcomes by equipping people to embrace and manage change. This episode is going to be devoted to the art of storytelling and how that impacts change. And so I have an amazing guest that I connected with on LinkedIn and, um, and found him because he was a guest on another colleagues of mine on her show. So Jared Carroll is joining me today. Hello, Jared. How are you? Great. Uh, Keisha, thanks for having me. Great to be here. Well, I think that um, in light of everything that has been going on lately with the, you know, pan the global pandemic, um, all of the social unrest with regards to um, systemic racism and Black Lives Matter movement and how there is a whole new appreciation for the need to um, improve our diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives within companies and organizations. And one thing I have found is that the more this has been coming up and now, you know, a lot of people are saying that they're noticing that this isn't just a trend. This isn't just something that's happening once and people kind of uh, you know, once it leaves the news cycle, we'll be good. Like people are demanding real change now. And so I wanted to bring you on to talk about how the storytelling aspect of all of this is helping to drive it because even LinkedIn has completely changed. My timeline on LinkedIn is completely different now. There yeah. are tons of people that are sharing their experiences, sharing their stories. There are other people who are amplifying their voices. So in your work with storytelling, you know, how are you seeing the shift or are you seeing a shift now? Yeah, great lead in. Um, I am seeing a shift, not as much as I would like to, but I am, I am seeing it a little bit. Uh, I too am active on LinkedIn and seeing a lot of uh, both from individuals um, and leaders, but also from corporations, a, a lot more uh, speaking out. And I, what I've noticed, you know, so if we look, it's, you know, as we're recording this in early July, it's, you know, six weeks since, since the murder of, of George Floyd. And so that was on Memorial Day. And probably that week, or especially the first week in June, you started to see a lot of corporate statements mm -hmm. um, and, you know, from the company or from the organization um, and maybe with the CEO and other C-suite, you know, names kind of attached to it. And then you started to, you also saw, uh, a lot of individual statements from CEOs or from executives or from founders. And what I found, and I didn't do an exhaustive study of this, but just from anecdotally looking at them, I, I, can, I can only remember maybe two or three that mm -hmm. actually told a story that actually showed a little bit of vulnerability mm -hmm. um, from this you know, highly visible, highly influential, highly powerful leader of you know, we're talking big, big companies that we all know about. Um, and you, if you read one, you go, oh, okay, that, that sounds good. That's well-written. That's powerful. But I know enough from being a writer and having worked in corporations and knowing what internal and external and corporate comms looks like that you didn't write that. Right. You didn't write that statement. And then if you're, if you're not like me and you don't know that that's how it works and you read one, you're like, oh my gosh. But then you read the second one, the third one, the fourth and the fifth and the 10th yeah. and the 20th. And you're like, these all kind of sound the same. Yeah. And 
you know, here we are a month later and I already feel like there's a little bit of a loss of momentum. And I think the opportunity, I don't say it's lost. It's still, it's still there to really have the people who are, are making these statements actually tell a story instead of a statement. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would start to see, you know, build a little more trust and believe them a little bit more. And, and I think that could be a catalyst to some, to, to, some greater and, and sustainable impact. And you know, that is, that is, is key. Tell a story. Don't make a statement. I absolutely love that. I'm going to be tweeting that. But it, but it, it, it speaks to that because I, I'm actually in the middle literally of writing my next book called Equip for change. Mm. And it's about doing the deep work of transformation um, within yourself and within your organization. So I did, I I organized it in two parts. You know, the first part is all about the personal transformation and journey. And the second part is all about the organizational transformation journey. And the one thing my publisher kept telling me when I first started was I need to hear your voice. Mm -hmm. I need to hear your story. You know, she's known me for about three or four years um, before this. And so she's like, no, I, I need to hear your story. People need to hear your voice. And I was always of the belief that nobody wants to hear what I have to say personally. They're interested in the outcomes. They're interested in, you know, in the training. They're interested in how to move the needle. We have to be professional and corporate speak and all of that. But especially in the midst of this pandemic, and I, and I, want, I want to see if you've noticed this, but since we have gone on in the U.S., we've gone on, as everybody calls it, quote unquote, lockdown, quarantine, it was a stay-at-home order. Don't make it. Don't be so dramatic. But you know, <laughs> but you know, they're looking like you know, goodness, we've been locked away from everyone forever. But ever since that time, where people have had to work from home, kids are out of school. There is no separation between yeah. work and personal anymore. It's not that I'm working at home. It's I am at home during a global pandemic, trying to work. Right. And so now you're seeing, especially with Zoom calls and everything, there's nowhere to hide. So have you noticed more of a shift of people wanting to include more of their personal stories and their personal, their personalities even um, in professional quote unquote settings? Yeah. Great, great reframe there on the, you know, working from home. It's so, so true. Um, And so to answer your question, yes, I I have. And it's actually been positive. Um, I think, whether it's on Zoom calls with clients or in kind of community calls, I think we both do a lot of community calls for for DEI practitioners for you know for whatever different groups are on, um, but also on LinkedIn, um, you're starting to see people. Um, it's interesting as a storyteller and someone who knows how to craft stories and who tells them, and I'm very comfortable doing it in a public space. I'm seeing different people kind of. Cr- creep uh, almost reluctantly like they know they want to and they know they should and there's but they're kind of tiptoeing it's you know and but then when they do it and you see the comments and it's not just about popularity and like oh I got x number of likes but you see like oh wow people are are actually responding um differently and more human humanly to this when when I write when I share something as you said about my kids or about uh, my mental health or about, um, you know, just whatever things that, as you said, back before this all kind of kicked in, 
people, you know, they kind of kept it pretty buttoned up and they were, you know, I know a lot of people obviously, you know, worked from home before this, um, myself included, but it's just a different environment. And I think it is allowing, you know, if, uh, if there's a silver lining to this, it is allowing people to, to, it, to normalize that vulnerability. Mm. And I think people are starting to get a little com more comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. um, and it is stripping a little bit of that, you know, professional quote unquote uh, veneer that, you know, we know is all kind of unnecessary and bogus anyway. And I think that the, you know, I, I love how you're saying you're seeing people kind of tiptoeing into it. Like, you know, let me stick a toe in and see how people re react. And then I'll, you know, I'll pull it back really quickly if they don't like it. <laughs> but I'm hoping that, and, and when I talk about change, you know, just to give people some context, and if they've been listening to my podcast for any length of time, they know I always talk about this. But I look at change as being a process and it's got three main steps. So there is the catalyst and the event that happens. That is what everybody focuses on. Um, when we were talking about George Floyd, it was the event of his murder. When we, when we talk about any of the other people who've been murdered in, during Black Lives, you know, because of, um, of systemic racism, it's, you know, say their name, it's the hashtag, it's this happened. And so what happens is whenever we're focused on an event, we put all our energy, all our attention on the event. And the, the further away from the event that we get, the more the interest wanes. The more we start saying, oh, okay, that's over, nothing to see here, time to go back. But the next two phases are ones we don't do. The next phase is that shift and where you make the transformation. This is when you start to see, you know what? I like the way this is better. Now we need to look mm -hmm. at the systems. Now we need to look at the stories of how we actually got here. And what is, it, or what is it that we say we believe in by what we're doing? This is when the things that you do, where you tell people about telling a story of how you got to this moment with the statement that you made, this is when the, the, the growth of people really happens. Mm -hmm. and, but this is the part that we all skip. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to go through this. It's the, like you said, get uncomfortable, you know, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. It's, you know, sticking your toe in and showing your kids. It's, it's understanding that you're human and I need to see that human side. And then after we go through the shift and the transformation, then we get to the third part, which is the new normal. Mm -hmm. That's when things are now different. And I'm seeing that because of, you know, one COVID made it such that you couldn't go anywhere. You couldn't ignore what was going on. And two, there have been these widespread protests that have been going on. And now companies are, yeah, they're issuing statements, but they're donating money. They're now creating DNI, DEI programs and training. Um, they're doing things now that they didn't do before. So mm -hmm. I think we're in the midst of this shift and this transformation where one, we can completely change the way the world of work is happening because people are now bringing more of themselves to the actual table. And two, we can change the systems in terms of systemic racism, systemic discrimination, you know, all of that. And, and because we're in this shift right now, I wanted to talk to you because I think the power of stories mm -hmm. and the power of, of storytelling to talk about how we got to this point and what we're going through and what we're experiencing, 
that is the, that's the key that's going to connect that event to the new normal that we want, the new yeah. ideal. Yeah. No, I love it. I love that uh, three-step process. And I think, so yes, I do see people um, that, sh I see that shift. Um, and I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic, which it sounds like you are as well, mm -hmm. that it's going to be sustainable and that it's genuine. Taking your kind of this process, you know, there's a, cat, there's a catalytic uh, uh, event, then a shift happens, and then there's a new normal. But so that, that all makes sense. And I think that is true. And that is happening. I think where, where that new normal is going to be sustainable and where that shift is going to be more profound and more, um, more scaled at a, at a, at a bigger level, more people are going is when people actually look at their story, like George Floyd being killed shouldn't be the, I don't, maybe shouldn't is the wrong word, but the fact that for many people, especially white people, that George Floyd being killed is the catalytic event is problematic. Mm. That said, there's nothing, I mean, if it is what it is. So if that is the, the, the catalytic, you know, the catalyst for, for this shift, the real work, and especially for white people, but not only white people, but especially for white people is, okay, let's look back let's look back before this happened. Why did it take this event to, um, to produce or, or induce or, or pull this shift out of you? Because that's, that's the real story. Mm -hmm. So looking and being reflective and being um, you know, vulnerable with yourself and saying, okay, so if I'm 25 or 30 or 50 or 70 or however old I am and, and now I'm just shifting, Mm -hmm. what took so long and not in a judgmental or a, a blaming or shaming way, but what took so long. And so really the work I do with, with clients and in my own writing is, and I try and model this um, and speaking is say, here are events throughout my childhood, through my early career, college, you know, all these different events where, you know, my quote unquote, maybe my race story or my diversity story. Mm -hmm. And for me, and I bet for a lot of people who are newly um, woken up to what's going mm -hmm. on, the story is really a story of, of non-story, mm. right? Because if I'm a white dude, which I am, and I've grown up not really thinking about racism, I didn't have any stories of racism or race mm. because I wasn't paying attention because I had the privilege of, of not needing to. So the work is looking back and going, where are those stories? Where are this? What are the stories when you, you know, when you didn't do anything or you, you didn't say anything or, and so, you know, I, I mine those stories for myself and I help other people mine them and say, oh yeah, like when I was 12 years old and my mom's friend who she played soccer with, um, you know, we, we gave her a ride home one day and, and on the way back, my mom said, you know, Paula really likes living in this neighborhood because there are no black people here. Mm. So as a 12 year old, that was just a statement and no one said anything and we drove on and carried on with our life. But now, you know, 25, 30, you know, I don't want to give my exact age, but you know, <laughs> decades later, right? I look back and go, that's a story. The story was that she said that Paula said that so casually. My mom said it so casually to us, the kids. The kids kind of shrugged and said whatever and, you know, read our comic books. And then we moved on with our life. Mm -hmm. That's the story. 
So those types of stories, you know, fast forward to, you know, May 25th, and we go, oh my gosh, this cop just murdered a black man on the streets of Minneapolis. For the new normal to, to be sustainable, we have to connect it to our personal histories of why this is such a big deal to us. Mm -hmm. And I find that there are, I, I, the way you just frame that is exactly the same type of things that I, I try to, to talk to people about. What I'm finding is that there are so many people who are afraid of their mm -hmm. stories. Yeah. They're afraid that my story is going to, you know, make me sound racist. My story is going to make me sound horrible. My story is going to make, and, and they get into this defense and deflect mode. Yeah. Well, I didn't know. And I didn't do, and it's like, it's, it's not a competition. It's, it's not a judgment. You know, you didn't have any choice in the story that unfolded for your life any more than I had a choice in the story that unfolded for mine. The fact that when I was, in fifth grade, I had, you know, a little boy in the, in the apartment complex, you know, the townhouse complex that I lived in, we had to walk past their house every day to go to school. And every single day, he called me the N word every single day from his house up in the, in the, in the bedroom window. And I'm just like, that's the story. I had no control over that. That's part of my story. But because I am more aware of that and it impacts me more, does not mean that because you didn't have to think about it and you had the privilege of not really understanding that you didn't have those conversations. So I'm not supposed to demonize you for your story. I want you to reflect on it and own it and look at how you can become better mm -hmm. so that you don't repeat it. Exactly. No. <sighs> You're so right that people are afraid. They're they're not only afraid of the of the public uh, consequences of telling their story for the you know afraid of saying the wrong thing of people judging them you know all those things and those are valid concerns. Um, you know, as you pointed out, you can't change your past, but you can change your relationship to it. Mm -hmm. And really, that's what I think is the key. So not only are people afraid of, of sharing it, you know, sharing things publicly, but most people, they're, they're not even, that's not even the concern yet because they don't have any stories to share because they've been afraid of actually looking for the stories to share. Mm -hmm. So there's that fear. And, and I use fear as, as, um, as non-judgmentally as possible, right? It's like, it's something people don't think of, they don't want to do, they're, they are a little bit concern what's this going to reveal to themselves about themselves mm -hmm. um how do they okay so they 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 mind these stories then what how do you tell them how do you craft them what's the you know and that's all the art of storytelling and you know that takes skill but i think one thing i've noticed a lot in in doing social justice work and especially more recently with you know with what's going on with racial injustice and I know you know, and I know, like this isn't a this isn't a just a current thing. This has been going on for four hundred plus years, so I mean that's part of the story as well. But that said, as we talked about earlier, more and more people are aware of it. Is okay. I think white people, we like to hear like, oh my gosh, Keisha just shared a really powerful, moving story. That must be so, 
you know, traumatic for you. Thank you. And there are different, you know, different <laughs> levels of response to like tokenizing to, you know, there's so many things that are kind of embarrassing and, and funny, you know, um, but it's like, we can't just have the people who are most impacted by what's going on tell their stories. Yes, we need those. And those are powerful and representation and, and hearing and visibility and all those. And if it's just like all us white people are going like standing, like we're in a movie theater, mm-hmm. listening to all those black people, you know, quote unquote, telling their stories and being moved by them and inspired by them. That's, that's not, that's not fair. And that's not the total story. So I think white people need to say, hey, almost relieving the burden of education and of emotion and, and of, uh, you know, of, of, of storytelling, right? It, it is so interesting that you said that because I have had so many conversations with people, you know, phone conversations as well as, you know, the social media back and forth with white people who do not understand the prevailing sentiment of the majority of black people as being, I am not here for your entertainment. (laughs) (laughs) I've been, we've been saying this, go, go educate yourself. There are articles, there are books, there are movies, Netflix and and prime and they have a whole section. Go knock yourself out. Those are professional stories that are already set up for your perusement. Pick one, pick several, do something. But I am not here to entertain you. I am not here for you to be moved by my, I am not here to validate or to make you feel better about your non-story because Mm -hmm. now you're taking an interest. Exactly. That's, I mean, even, even before the urgency of what's going on now, my whole philosophy was storytelling with helping, you know, as a writing teacher, so that's that's where it kind of began, you know, began with teaching kids how to write and how to, you know, my my uh, my mantra, my through line was share your voice. So if you're, you know, 11 and 12 year olds, sixth graders, it's about, you know, giving them the courage and the confidence to, to find. But in a way, it's not too different to what I do now with adults and in different contexts. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really is about it's kind of selfish not to share your story. Mm. And especially, you know, to your point, I think, especially around what's going on, and especially for, for leaders who are putting out these boilerplate, you know, bland statements, I mean, there's so many ways to criticize it, but one of them is, you know, that's actually kind of, kind of selfish, mm-hmm. that you're, you're not taking a risk by sharing any part of you being vulnerable by letting your employees, the public, you know, whoever, whoever's reading your statements, you're not, you're not, you're depriving us, us of that. Right. And you might think for some of the reasons that you pointed out earlier that, oh, no one wants to hear it. And it's really about the what, it's not about the why. No, 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 no. It's about you and w- us wanting to know who you are and why you care and what your evolution of consciousness is. So that when you do put out a statement, we go, oh, Yeah. That makes sense because that's what he's like. Because mm-hmm. he wrote, you know, last week he said this. And, you know, two years ago he wrote this blog. And, you know, three weeks ago he was on that, um, you know, TV interview. Mm-hmm. And so you build the story and you're consistent with it. But if you just throw out a statement, yeah. like, and no that, thanks. 
That you know? is where a lot of people are finding that they're getting pushback. You know, they're like, we put out a statement, we made a donation, you know, we do that. And I have talked to so many people who work at these companies that have these, you know, great statements and they're going, wait, what you said, what we're committed to what that that's not, that's not happening <laughs> here. That is not the, we're committed to the, okay, so we're going to do, and we have been, when did we do this? Was, was I missing that? Did I miss the memo? And so it's this whole thing of because we're they they feel the need to react. They're not responding. They're reacting by putting out a statement and, and all of this. They need instead to have a measured response, a reflective response, and an appropriately respectful response. Mm-hmm. And that includes, as you're saying, being vulnerable, sharing your voice. And yeah. I think that so many people feel that their voice doesn't matter. You know, their voice doesn't matter because I haven't been, you know, the victim of racism. My voice doesn't matter because I've had, you know, a pretty easy childhood. My voice doesn't matter because I'm not a black person in this, you know, from the South. My voice doesn't matter because. So they come up with all these reasons why their voice doesn't matter. And then they don't share their Mm -hmm. stories. They don't share their voice. They don't share their perspective. And then they ask other people to do all the heavy lifting yep. of sharing theirs. Yeah. And and they're like, this is this isn't a win-win. This is a gimme gimme. That doesn't work. Yeah. Well, so one one framework that I use for myself and when I'm coaching right uh, people either in writing or speaking, it's very similar process, obviously different kind of sub skill sets, but um, is Marshall Gans. He's a a professor at Harvard Business School, I believe, and he 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 uses the public narrative, um, and I think he created it. And it's it's this framework of story of self, story of us, story of now. Yeah. And so, you know, in his context, he's helping you know uh, business, you know, MBA students to what maybe they might be pitching their new product or you know whatever kind of kind of more in a business sense, but it applies to anything. And the 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 framework is. Actually, let's work backwards. So what we were saying at the beginning of our conversation was that, you know, these statements are an example. It's, it's, that's the story of now. And they think, well, that's, that's what's happening now. That's what's most important. So I'll just start with that, get right to the point and say, I believe this, I, you know, this is important and here's why, and we care and we're going to don't. And they think that that's, that that's good enough, that that's going to be the most powerful. That's going to be the most receptive, you know, receive the best, et cetera. But that's actually the third part of the of the narrative. And if you're working backwards, the story of us is how do you invite people and people meaning your colleagues, your, you know, the community, whoever, whoever your people is, how do you include and invite people um, into the story by saying, hey, you know, you want a reader to go, oh, my gosh, me, too. Mm-hmm. I feel that way. Um, you know, you might use language like, you know, this has happened to all of us or you might also be feeling blah, blah, blah. So if we continue working backwards before you even get to that is the story of self, which is a personal anecdote, mm-hmm. experience, uh, transformational event, evolution of, conf- of, of consciousness. So then if you, if you go from front to back, then you go, this happened to me. This is what I learned, why it was important, what I, how I evolved. You get to the story of us, which says, 
and you probably have experienced something similar too. Mm-hmm. you know, the idea that the personal is universal, right? So you're kind of moving in this, this stream of me to us. And then you get to the now, then you say, and here's what we have to do about it. Mm-hmm. Here's the statement. Here's why my company cares. Here's what we're doing about it. Here's the call to action. Right. But if you skip those first two parts and you just go to this call to action and the what, yeah, it's, it's, you know, might read powerfully the first time, but then it's not going to, you know, it's not going to hold water. And, and they don't even believe it. They're <laughs> like, oh, this is great. Awesome. Okay. Now we're back to the meeting. Now yeah. what are we going to do with it? And it's like, did, did you read this statement? Did you? Thank, thank you, executive comms person for writing right. that for Exactly. Me. <laughs> and it's usually like, you know what? You owned a, you earned a bonus. How about that? You get a bonus for crafting something really great that yeah. nobody cares about and nobody actually believes. It's, well, uh, I have to share one and I won't share the name because it's not about shaming them, but one, one statement I was privy to learning about, and it was a, like a C-suite. It was signed by, I don't know, six or eight people. Um, and it was really well written. You read it like, you know, we commit to this, blah, blah, blah. I was like, wow, that's cool. And then you have all these, you know, CMO, CHRO, you know, all these people, right? And then I learned that like half of them hadn't even seen it because you know they were busy and doing other things and stuff and their comms people had written it and they you know it's like hey jim can you oh just it's good put it out put my name on it yeah so like here's this powerful statement and like half the people whose names on it hadn't even read it hadn't even seen it yeah (laughs) i cringe i cringe it is is cringeworthy and and i think that with Part of the reason I wanted you um, to, to come on, and I'm going to have to have you come back because there is some other it. stuff I really wanted to talk about that we haven't even gotten to yet. Um, and we are actually at the end of our 30 minutes. But um, giving people permission to share their voice, regardless of what they think of the importance of their voice. And, and that, I think, is so key to this whole process because a ma- the main reason why we don't, we go from a moment to, yeah, instead of going from a moment to a movement mm-hmm. because we don't connect. We don't connect to ourselves and we don't connect to a greater sense of us and we yeah. don't connect that to, okay, what now? Yeah. What are we going to do about that? And so I think that um, the next time I have you on, I really want to kind of dissect this whole process of how to get people comfortable with talking about their story and sharing their story. And, and what is that, you know, and, and I've, I've, I've been working with, with different people and I had, you know, um, somebody who's actually a really good friend of mine and just talking, they're awesome about sharing their anecdotes and sharing their stories and everything else. But when they get into certain um, arenas, things where it's more formal, all of a sudden they slip back into that formal mode. Yeah. And the tone of voice even changes. You know, it's like, you know, I'm like, whoa, whoa, what happened? Who let the robot in? What is going on? Who are you? Where did you come from? No, no, no. I want the other one back. Yeah. I want the real person back. (laughs) Right. And and, and I think that people aren't, and, and this whole thing of this shift of needing to understand that, you know, hey, it's not about brand statements. You know, Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many emails I got from people when COVID first started. We are all in this together. No, we're not. You want me to buy crap? Leave me alone. This isn't even genuine. You're not telling me anything about you and how it's affecting you. Just stop. 
Um, but I really want to next time to get into this whole process of how can we get people really comfortable with sharing their voice? Cause I think yeah. that is so important. Well, this is great because this might be the, the catalyst I need for an idea. That's only an outline form right now, but I'm actually in the very beginning stages of planning probably a f- part uh, online course to do just that, mm. to understand why story is important, to find stories, to craft stories, mm-hmm. and then to tell stories. In with so, I've been thinking about it, and now that you're kind of—I know you weren't in, in directly or intentionally—but you've kind of challenged me to uh, get that together and get it. So maybe next time we talk, it'll be, yes, uh, it'll be up and running, and uh, and we can get some people, uh, you know, doing the work. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. That is a perfect way to end this. Um, You guys are going to, um, I'm going to, on my website, I'm going to have all of uh, Jared's information about how you can get in touch with him. Um, Is there any particular place that they can reach out to you now? Yeah. I mean, best places, I'm very active on LinkedIn. So Jared Carroll, just search me, uh, J-A-R-E-D-K-A-R-O-L. A lot of people uh, go with the C. So yeah, find me on LinkedIn. Um, and then my website, just jaredcarroll.com has, you know, more about me and services and um, a lot of my writings as, as well are on there. So awesome. those, are, those are probably the two, uh, two best places. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I am looking forward to our next one already because, yeah, you're going to have to have that course already so we can talk about that <laughs> and, and tell people how to register and you know, kind of yes. get this moving because they, they need help. I'm just saying they yeah. really need help. Well, in, in the meantime, you know, people can reach out to me, you know, individually and, uh, you know, I do work. That's a lot of my client work is working one-on-one with people um, to develop their voice and their story and, and their positioning. So, um, Awesome. Well, I know that a lot of people, um, and I am not even going to say that I'm giving a hint, I am going to command anybody that's listening to this, you really need to to reach out to Jared, because if you are serious about change in your organization, if you are serious about um, creating a new normal, you have to be able to understand how to craft and how to share your story in an effective way that will bring people together and help them to really feel as if they're a part of something that is bigger than themselves. So well, well said. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you guys for listening. I hope this has been helpful. Um, as always, you can reach out to me on my website at carsgroup.com. That's cars with a K, K-A-R-S group.com. Send me a message. Um, you can also find me on LinkedIn as well as Twitter and a host of other social media channels. Go to my website. It's got the links to everything. Thank you so much for joining us for Mindset to Mastery. Um, where we provide tools, tips, strategies, and actionable items to help you change your mindset and master your success. Thanks again, Jared, for joining me. I am your host, Keisha A. Rivers, President and Chief Outcome Facilitator of the CARS Group, where we facilitate outcomes by equipping people to embrace and manage change. Stay safe, stay sane, and stay sanitized. Until next time, everybody. Bye-bye.